Hi, my name is Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. The question for our 15 minutes now is, how does God fashion you for your destiny? In earlier 15s, we've talked about what is destiny, and we've talked about uh, how God creates destiny, how God establishes destiny in our lives, in the womb, from before the foundations of the world, etc. But now I want to talk to you uh, about how God actually fashions us for destiny. And just by way of a quick review, we've, we've seen that God sets a purpose for our lives before we're even conceived, according to Jeremiah 1.5. Psalm 139 says that God fashions us in the womb for our destiny. We live in the world, and when we begin to be saved, when we give our lives to Jesus, that's when the grand restoration begins. And so now we want to talk about uh, that grand restoration. How, what are the processes by which God uh, begins to prepare us for our destiny and fashion us to be vessels uh, for our destiny. I, I want to say, first of all, that we become believers because Jesus draws us. I mean, we don't need to get into a big debate about how people get saved or Calvinism and Arminianism, if you understand those terms. The Bible just simply says that we're, we're in Jesus because He chose us, and that's wonderful. He, he called us. He called us to Himself, and thank the Lord He did. But we choose once we're believers, once we're committed to Jesus Christ, we choose to become disciples. Now, I don't want to make a big distinction between believers and disciples, but some folks live as believers but never really become disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is someone who is undergoing a process of discipline, undergoing an ordered life, an ordered process by which they're achieving a goal. And of course, in Christianity, the goal, of course, is to glorify God Become like Jesus and fulfill your destiny. Again, the destiny is the purpose God has set for your life. When you come to an understanding that God has chosen you for a purpose and you're eager to fulfill that purpose, you begin to welcome the purposes of God, the tools of God, the way God works. And some of us probably imagine that the first thing God would do would be to set us down in a classroom. We'll talk about that. Classrooms and teaching and all of that are, are absolutely important. But but, but a classroom experience alone, book learning alone, does not create us, uh, does not fashion us, does not shape us and chisel us so that we can create, uh, fulfill our destiny in the way we're meant to. Any more than, by the way, sitting in a classroom studying a sport makes us good at that sport. You have to get out on the field and play. You have to make mistakes. You have to be corrected. You have to be bruised a little bit. You have to lose a few games to learn how to do it right. And that's what discipleship is. In fact, when we see Jesus walking with his disciples uh, in the Gospels in the New Testament, he corrects them, he rebukes them, he sends them to do things, they mess up, they ask stupid questions. It's all the process of fashioning them into what they're made to be. So let, let's talk about a few of the things, uh, the, a few of the processes, the dynamics, maybe even the tools we might call them that God uses to fashion us in, our, in, in his purposes. Now, obviously, there are those things that he does by virtue of the new birth. First of all, he puts the Holy Spirit in our lives. We receive the Holy Spirit when we give our lives to Jesus. There is then later a separate experience. Sometimes it can be merged, but, but normally there's a separate kind of experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that in future 15, so you can begin to study that out in the Bible for yourself. And, and, the, and the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives. Well, part of his job is to conform us to Jesus. Uh, part of his job is to begin to clean us up, convict us of sin, work in us, change us. 
And then, of course, he brings us into contact with the Word, with the Scriptures. And the Scriptures are really, really important because, as we've said in other 15s, the Bible's not just literature. It's not like just Shakespeare or your favorite novel. Uh, the words are actually filled with the Spirit of God. John 6.63 says, the, Jesus said, the, spirit I, the words I've given you are spirit and life. So all of those spiritual processes that begin in your life when you become a believer are, are really, really critical. But what a lot of believers miss as they're trying to fulfill a destiny are some of the other processes that God uses. For example, in, in 2 Corinthians, both uh, in, uh, in chapter 10 and in chapter 13, the Bible says that spiritual leaders have authority to build us up, not to tear us down. The, the, the phrase build us up in Greek means literally to build the house. I like to think of it as being to build the house of destiny. For many of us, pastors, Christian leaders, we tend to orient to them more as though they're, I don't mean to be insulting, but more like Christian entertainers. We go in on Sunday morning or we watch them on TV. We listen to them. Maybe we're inspired. Maybe we're moved. But we never think of them, especially our pastors and the people at our local church, uh, as having an authority, a special grace from God to have insight into our lives and to build us up. I want to tell you as a man who did not come quickly or easily to the idea that there were spiritual leaders God had set into my life, um, that I did, did not grow as rapidly early in my Christian life as I could have because I did not understand this dynamic. I was kind of a go-it-alone, lone ranger kind of Christian. I, I was serious about Jesus. I was passionate for Him. I, 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 I learned from a lot of pastors and Christian leaders. I read my Bible. I prayed. I, I obeyed the Lord. I witnessed. I did all those things. But I, I didn't really welcome pastoring and spiritual leadership in my life. Now, I realize that some of this has been given a bad name because of extremes of the shepherding movements and cults and all of that kind of thing. But we can't let that drive us away from the biblical truth that God has given us people in our lives who are gifted, have insight, authority, wisdom, revelation, skills to build us up and not to tear us down, to build us into the destiny that we are made for. And if you're trying to live the Christian life just on your own, just as an individual disconnected from other people, you need to find a good church where the pastors there are like coaches and they can train you up for your destiny and your purpose. That is an essential part of the Christian life. I don't ever want to live the Christian life alone and I don't want to live the Christian life without men and women who have supernatural gifts to help me grow into what I'm made to be. Uh, in fact, the greater your destiny, the greater thing that you're called to accomplish, the more you need that because without it, you'll make a bigger mess. Uh, second of all, it's, it's unbelievably important for us to understand uh, that God puts an anointing on our lives. So this is a word that's often misunderstood. As one of my Pentecostal friends said that the idea of the anointing for him meant that something came on you while you were preaching, you ran around and got sweaty and said stuff that didn't make any sense. We've, we've seen people uh, who are real emotional on television, on spiritual TV shows and so on, Christian TV shows, and maybe the idea of, of anointing for us is identified with that. The, the word anointing in the Bible just simply means an application of power for a desired result. Charisma, now you've heard that word before. The charisma is the Greek word. Charis means grace, and ma, that suffix ma, means for a purpose, for a specific purpose. And so the anointing of God is an application of the supernatural power of God 
that rests in your life to help you fulfill your destiny. And as you grow in that anointing, as you learn uh, how to accommodate the power of God in your life, uh, you will begin to fulfill your destiny at a new level. Now, I don't mean to make this overly mystical. Um, I've been a Christian teacher for maybe 30 years. Uh, I got up this morning and I prayed. Uh, I studied the scriptures that I'm teaching to you now. Um, I know what that feels like. I, I know what scriptures I was meant to teach and which ones I wasn't. Not because an angel appeared in my room, uh, but because I know how the Spirit of God kind of illuminates one thing and maybe shows me another. Um, I, I knew when I was ready to come uh, to the studio where I am now and, and begin to speak. I, I knew when the anointing was, was present and I had uh, spent about 40 minutes in a car driving over here and so I was praying. And, and, and my point is that you learn how to accommodate uh, the anointing in your life, the application of power for what you're made to do. I wish we knew more about this because I think we have a tendency to believe that leaders in church and on the stage of a church uh, or on the stage of a Christian ministry, they're anointed, but politicians, lawyers, doctors, teachers, guys who run construction companies, people who run media companies, you understand what I'm saying, they're not anointed. I believe God has anointings for whatever we're called to do. Whatever you're made to do, there are people who are anointed for the arts people who are anointed to teach, people who are anointed to be principals of schools, people who are anointed to run businesses, people who are anointed to be in the military. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever you can be called to do, you, can be, you are and can be anointed to do. And the Bible makes this very, very clear. So part of fulfilling your destiny, part of the way God prepares you for your destiny is that he puts an anointing on your life and then he teaches you how to fulfill it. And many times when it, when it happens early in our lives, we don't know why. When I first, uh, I think when the Spirit of God first came into my life and I began to understand that I was a teacher, you know, I'd spend hours in the Word. I'd wake up at three in the morning with ideas and I'd make outlines and I'd, you know, I'd, and all of this was a new level of insight and understanding that I had because the anointing of God was on my life for what I was made to do. Well, I think everybody watching this who's committed their life to Jesus is anointing for th anointed for things and learning how to accommodate that's important. Now, there, there, there's another, another aspect of uh, growing in, in the calling of God and being prepared. And that is, uh, I like to call it being put in the school of the Holy Spirit. We, we often believe, especially in our Western world, that change comes in our life because we talk about things. Uh, change comes because we sit down, we have a conversation, and out of those words comes change. But that's not, that's not the way it is in the majority of the things in the Christian life. The reality is that change often comes because of experience that we have uh, through which we learn. And then we have to go through the experience again. Some of you will be familiar with the movie Groundhog Day, where the lead character lives the same day over and over until he gets some things right. And then he finally gets uh, released, so to speak, to live on into the next day. Well, that movie, of course, is fun and fiction. We're going to continue to go forward, but we will go through some of the th same things over and over. So God uses the circumstances of your life to shape and mold you. If you have a certain character flaw and you continue to have the same kind of hassle with, with people, it's the same thing over and over, and you look back on your life and you go, man, I have had this same fight over the same aspect of my personality or over the same aspect of the way I work, or, or, or function, and I gotta tell you, it's driving me crazy, you realize after a while that the Holy Spirit is trying to show you something and work something out of you by your experience. 
Now, somebody could have sat you down and said, you know, you're just impatient and you're driving people crazy. And you would have said, yeah, 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 I get it. But you wouldn't have responded. But when you start to have things that don't work right in your life, that often is the Holy Spirit creating a laboratory experience, for lack of a better term, to use academic terms, uh, so that you can see what's wrong. Uh, maybe I have a, a, an ongoing area where I wound my wife. I wounded her, wounded her last month. Maybe I wound her this month. And I, I keep thinking, why, why do I keep doing this? I love this woman. Why do I do it? And then I realize I have a, I have a problem with an ungodly kind of harsh humor. Or, uh, or I'm overly critical. Or, or I don't, don't express gratitude enough. These are things that are experiences where the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I'm trying to teach you from experience. And God uses people in your life. If you're married, I can assure you that part of one of the tools of the Holy Spirit in your life is your spouse. Be sure uh, that the greatest tool in your life you may be driving around with right now as you're listening to this. Um, this is what the Lord does, the circumstances of your life. If you've been fired from jobs 10 times for the same thing, hey, let me hold up a big sign, School of the Holy Spirit. This is what he's trying to teach you. So be aware that the Lord uses things in your life, natural things, processes, things the kids say. I had a child say something to me recently, and he was just a little child, but I realized, man, that's like the Lord speaking to me about something in my life. The, the, the other thing, the other side of that, and it's not the most pleasant news in the world, is that God uses suffering. In, in, in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7, uh, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews uh, said, and of course it was the Holy Spirit inspiring them, whoever wrote it said, endure hardship as discipline. Now you see bumper stickers all the time where people say, you know, blank happens, stuff happens, and it uses a bad word. Well, stuff does happen, but in the hands of God, stuff, hardship, uh, is actually something that can be endured and have a redemptive purpose. So, so God is saying in that verse, Stop, things that happen in your life that are just general hardships and somebody who's not a believer might just say, well, bad things happen. For a Christian, this is actually part of a discipline process. This actually is personal. This actually is God using something in your life. And God does use suffering. In fact, in Hebrews 5.8, it says that Jesus, now Jesus was sinless and perfect, but it says that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered and thus became the source of salvation. So if Jesus, who was sinless, we're not talking about holiness here, we're not talking about getting, you know, getting sin out of our lives, we're talking about being shaped in fashion. If Jesus can, be, uh, can, can suffer and thus learn obedience, that's what, that's what it says, learned obedience to the things that he suffered, then we certainly can as well. And I, I don't want to create some kind of a suffering you know, mentality. I don't want us to go to the extremes that some folks have in church history. But the fact is, sufferings, hardships, deaths, hurtful things that happen in our lives, they, they are redemptive in the hands of God, and thank the Lord they are. If there's anything worse than going through a horrible season of suffering, uh, some of the horrible things that you can imagine people go through, and, and uh, if there's anything worse than that, it's going through it, having it have no purpose. You can't think of anything worse than someone dear to you dying and it just being, what, an accident. Somebody was drunk and hit them on a road and they died. That was it. It has no other purpose. It has no redemptive feature. There's nothing that can be brought out of it. There's nothing, no good that comes of it. The great news about destiny is that God uses sufferings to fashion us and that our life is not just, uh, we don't just endure hardship and that's the end of it. So, so be aware that when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, that's when the restoration 
of God's purposes for your life begins. The Holy Spirit moves in. He begins to shape you, begins to fashion you, begins to teach you the Word. He puts an anointing on your life that, that you learn to accommodate, has a kind of a discipline shaping function. He uses Christian leaders. He uses hardship in your lives. Um, he uses sufferings. Uh, he uses the experience of your life. All of that and much more, of course, that, that we, would, we will discuss in future 15s is fashioning you to be the glorious vessel of God's purposes. That's where the joy is. That's where the fruit is. And that is where life comes together. And that's also year 15.